Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Second Kings chapter five. We're in part three of a series that we have been in the last number of weeks that we've simply entitled this more than able, more than able. And this, this thought more than able, it comes from a scripture, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. The apostle Paul's writing and he says, now to him who is able. And, and Paul doesn't say that God is just able or he's just capable but, God's, or, but Paul says, no, we serve a God who is more than able. For he keeps going and says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to, to, to the power or the, or the presence of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. Just quick, fun exercise. Um, I want you to think of, maybe you're like, I, that's too hard for me. Okay, well then just, just sit and we won't know you're not participating. But uh, th- th- think of like the, the, the most wild or crazy or just, just big prayer request you've ever had. Maybe it's right now. Maybe you have a big request right now. The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above the biggest, baddest, most impossible thing that you can, that you can ask. So what, what are you asking God for? Just know that we serve a God who he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than that. You know, sometimes we're, we're not as bold in our, in our prayers as we are in our thinking and so let's just go here. What's the biggest, baddest, wildest, most ambitious thing, just audacious you can think about? Paul goes, you do know we serve a God who he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above even that which you're thinking about. Oh, we serve a God, my friends, who he has no limitation. The Bible says in Luke 137 that with God, nothing will be impossible. Mark 9.23, that to him who believes all things are possible, we serve a God who is more than able. We've been doing it every single week, but I just want to do it again. Can I encourage you and remind you that wherever you are today, you're not stuck. Whatever you're facing today, it will not or it doesn't have to bury you. It doesn't have to end you. It doesn't have to completely change the trajectory of your life. No, we serve a God who he's more than able. Whatever need you have today, God is more than able to meet that need. We serve a supernatural, all-powerful, miracle-working, wonder-working God. God is more than able. And part of what we've been doing the last couple weeks is just stirring our faith up and reminding ourselves we actually don't have to settle. We actually don't have to settle for less than all that God has promised and made available. No, we serve a God who no matter what we are facing, he is more than able. What we've been talking about is that part of the, uh, the, the disconnect is that while so many of us, we sing and we uh, uh, have, have, have songs in our heart and we have pictures on our wall that talk about and in word believe and say we serve this God, our, our life is lacking or is void of the power and presence of God. We, well, we settle for less than. 
We, we, we kind of just take it as it is, and well, it, it is what it is. It's as good as it's going to get. We, um, we, we don't dare to believe and to, to really say, no, God is able. And we've been talking about part of that. It's because we, we have a lack of or, or we're in need of our faith being built. You know, the Bible says this, that in God's kingdom, faith is the currency of his kingdom. Jesus said, according to your works, nope. According to your merit, nope. But according to your faith, according to your faith, let it be done to you. The Bible says Jesus talking to the woman who had an issue of blood. She was sick for a very long time. She spent all her money, saw every doctor she could, and still she was no better. She only grew worse. And yet she heard about a man named Jesus. And something in the hearing, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. She heard about a man named Jesus and something happened on the inside that she didn't just hear information, but something happened on the inside where she got a revelation. And she said to herself, if only I can get to him and if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. She fights her way through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment. Interesting, and this is not the, not the sermon, but, but Jesus, he stops. He goes, oh, someone touched me. He's, he, he's in a crowd of people. His disciples are like, yeah, no, duh. Everybody's touching you. He goes, no, no, no. I felt power go out. Is it possible that we can have a big crowd of people and yet very few people in the large crowd are postured to draw power from heaven? No, 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 there's a lot of people here to hear the sermon and a lot of people that are here because they have a need. But no, 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 I, I felt power go out of me. This woman comes forward and he says, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you. See, faith is the currency of God's kingdom. And for so many of us, though we sing songs and we intellectually believe that God is all powerful, we don't have the faith in our heart that says no. I know that God, he is able and he is willing to do it for me. And so uh, we've been talking the last two weeks about about building our faith and building our faith through receiving a word from God and asking God to speak to us and to give us a a picture, a vision on the inside that's bigger than the one we can see right now. And what I want to do this morning as we continue is I want to talk about, I think, the next step or the next progression in us receiving from God, and that is Brace yourself. It's a word that no one likes. That is our obedience. That is our obedience, our doing what Jesus tells us to do. And I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 8, and I want to read a story today about a man named Naaman, a man who I believe that all of us, we can find ourselves in uh, in, in one way or another. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, not a big deal. The words will be on the screen. Uh, but reading from the New King James Version, the story goes like this. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall see that there is a prophet in Israel. Pause real quick and I got to catch you up in case you don't know the story. Naaman uh, was not part of God's people. He, he, he was not part of Israel. Naaman was a great man. He, he was a great man and he was a leader in the Syrian army. And although he was a great man and a great commander, Naaman had leprosy. 
Leprosy in antiquity was an incurable disease that once you got it, you're toast and you will die with this disease. There's nothing that can be done. Well, there, there was a slave girl, a servant girl in Naaman's house. And, and she said to Naaman's wife, you know, there, there is a prophet in Israel. There's a man of God in Israel. And if, if he could just get to the man of God, I bet he could be healed. So Naaman goes to the king of Syria and he gets permission. He goes to the king of Israel and says, hey, so I'm here to see the man of God. I'm, I'm here to get healed. The king of Israel is like, I, I'm, I, I can't heal you. And, and somehow Elisha hears about it. And, and so what we're reading right here, Elisha hears. Verse 8, uh, and, and Elisha says, hey, I heard there's someone who's, who's here to see me. Send him to me. Verse 9, we'll pick up. Then Naaman went, he goes to, to Elisha. Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman, he became furious and he went away and, and noticed he became furious and went away because he'd already predetermined in his heart how it was going to happen, what it was going to look like. Naaman went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, surely he'll come out to me and he'll stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hands all over the place and heal the leprosy. So Naaman, he's, he's leaving. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for good friends. I'm thankful for people that God puts in our life and sends to us that will say things we don't want to hear, even though we need to hear it. And, and, and it goes on to say, that the next scripture, you can keep those scriptures rolling. It goes on to say, um, verse 12, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and Naaman says, he continues, are not, are not the Abna and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. I got ahead of myself. Now's the friend. And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Go back to verse 12. I want to read verse 12 again. This is Naaman's question. This is his frustration. Are not the Abna and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be cleaned? In other words, what Naaman was saying is, what's, what's in the water? What's in this river? What's in this body of water that I can't just go and wash in some? What's in the water? I want to title the sermon today, if you're taking notes, I want to simply title it this, What's in the Water? What's in the Water? See, because what Naaman was asking, what Naaman was frustrated about is he did not understand what was in this water, what the big deal was, why it had to be the Jordan River, why he was being asked to do this. And for, for Naaman... The, the, the water was, was obedience. Obedience was doing what God said, getting in the water, bathing seven times. But, but I want to use the water by way of metaphor today because really what I want to ask and what, what I want us to, to, to pull out a little bit is this question, what is in our obedience? 
What is in our obedience that brings the breakthrough, that brings the move, that brings the miracle? What's in our obedience? See, because for so many of us, being raised in this culture, um, being raised in in the West and and in our current Christian culture, obedience isn't something that we're big on. Uh, Yesterday was my son's birthday. He turned five years old. And I don't know if you have been to this gas station, uh, but Bucky's is like a whole kingdom unto itself. And so believe it or not, yesterday we had a Bucky's themed birthday party. My son thinks Bucky's is Disneyland. He loves Bucky's. And so when we were on vacation, he, we went in there and we got all the party decorations. He had Bucky's swim trunks yesterday. We had Bucky's uh, cups and plates and napkins. And we had a Bucky's birthday party. Well, the, the day before Friday, we were going, going for a walk in the neighborhood. We we're going to the pool, actually. And we're walking together and he goes, Dad, tomorrow's my birthday. And I said, I, I know. I said, how old are you going to turn? Five. He said, Dad, so tomorrow, you're not the parent anymore. (laughs) I said, really? Tell me about this. He said, yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. So you have to do whatever I tell you to do tomorrow. (laughs) I said, oh, okay. I said, so I'm not the parent. You're not the parent tomorrow. I said, okay. I said, so uh, question, bud, who's going to cook all your food and feed you tomorrow? He's thinking, I said, and, and, and tomorrow when, when you get up, who's going to get your snack and your juice and get you set up? Until he's thinking. I said, and, to, and, and tomorrow, but who, who's going to take care of the dogs? And, and I had to listen. And he goes, okay, you could be the parent tomorrow, but you still have to do, do what I say. <laughs> I, I tell you that story because I think that there's something in there that maybe connects with you and I in the culture we live in where we have made so much, by the way, not to say that we shouldn't, but we've made so much about the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness of God, and the kindness of God, and the generosity of God, that, that not by our work, but by his finished work, that we are the beloved children of the most high God in whom God is well pleased. That today, if you've given your life to Jesus, the reality is God is not mad at you. The Bible says you are at peace with God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and while this is true, I think much has been made of this. And what's happened to us is somewhere we've, like my son Graham, have gone, well, God, you're not the Lord anymore. It's my birthday. I'm a beloved child of the Most High God and who God is well pleased. I'm special. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. The grace and mercy of God is sufficient for me. And so God, we're kind of like co-leading my life now. God, God this, this is more of a collaboration now. We are, we're, we're co-leading. We're collaborating on, on this thing called life. And we have forgotten that obedience is not legalism. Can I say that again? That obedience is not legalism. No, legalism is when you earn and you deserve and you have to measure up for the love of God. You got to measure up for the approval of God. You, you got to measure up to be called a son or a daughter and welcome him in, welcome into his presence. No, that's legalism. That's, that's Old Testament before the finished work of Jesus where there, was, where there was a law that was full of commandments and things that must be done for you to enter into the presence of God. That's legalism. My, my friends, obedience is not legalism. 
Because while we have been freely welcomed in to the family of God, and we are loved by God, Jesus is still the Lord of our life. You know what that means? It means he's the boss, not you. Have you considered lately that the apostle Paul did not say, if anybody would believe the Easter sermon, that Jesus died and rose again, that he would be saved? That's, that's how, how, how we think about it. But, but the Bible says even the demons believe. That he, even, even the demons in hell, even they believe the Easter story. No, salvation happens when one believes in their heart to the point that they confess it with their mouth. Ready? That Jesus is the Lord. Jesus, my knee is bowed to you. You are the Lord, meaning you're the boss. You're the king. You're the ruler. I, I submit my life to your lordship. And my perspective and my opinion and the way that I was raised, the culture that I'm part of, the place that I work at, none of those things call the shot anymore. You are the Lord of my life and my life in loving devotion to you is obedient to whatever you say. My, my youngest daughter, she's about to be two. And yesterday we, we were standing in the kitchen and she came up, 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 up to me and she's at my knees and she starts just, just you know, doing the, eh, eh. That's, that's translation, that's hold me now or I will freak out. And so I, I, I pick her up. But it was the funniest thing. As soon as I picked her up and I kind of held her close, she, like, she was going for the Heisman Trophy. She stiff-armed my face. And she, and she wedged herself. So I thought, two can play that game. So I put her back down. And I pick her up and she stiff-armed my face. And, and not that she could understand, but, but I said, Betty. So I like to call her Betty, Betty Rose. I said, Betty, doesn't work like that. You, you don't get to be held while pushing me away at the same time. It doesn't work like that. Can I tell you this morning, there are some of us that we, we have forgotten it doesn't work like that. We don't get to go, God, I need you. God, move in my life. I need miracles. God, I need you to meet this need. God, I, I, I want to be close to you and simultaneously push away his instructions and his commands. Oh, God, I need you. I need to break through God. Do something in my life. And, and God begins to speak to you and go, well, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to do that. that. That seems kind of legalistic. That seems kind of religious if you're asking me. And we, so often we, we have a need for God. We desire God. We, through our, our lip service, say we are, we are followers of Christ while simultaneously pushing away the commands and the instructions of God. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's, I mean, come on, 2023, man. Like, don't be so legalistic. Can I just ask you a question? How, how would that work in your marriage? I, I don't know about you, but that, that would not work in, in my marriage. If, if I started treating the things that, 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 that my wife desires or the things that my wife is asked, if I would start, like, that's not a big deal. Come on, you're, you're being so, no, there, there, there's a loving relationship. 
And so part of being in an intimate, committed relationship is there is, a, there is a commitment of loving devotion to sacrificially do what the other one desires or wants or, or needs for the purpose of demonstrating. Can I tell you, obedience is not legalism. The Bible says those who love God, obey him. It is our way of, of walking with him in loving devotion and surrender to him. And I think 2 Kings chapter 5 is such a great picture for you and I because Naaman, like many of us, Naaman has a need. Maybe you don't have a need, but I promise you at some point you will have a need. Maybe it won't be a financial need. Maybe it'll, it'll never be something in your body that you get sick or you, you, you get stu- stuck in some way. But I promise you in every single one of our lives, there are points in time where we have a need. God, only you can do this. I can't figure this out. I can't throw enough money at this. I can't throw enough pills at this. God, I can't throw enough reason. Only you can meet this need. Naaman has a need. Leprosy is an incurable disease. Naaman hears about this man of God who can can bring healing to his life. And so Naaman goes. He, 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 He goes and yet Naaman, he's frustrated. Do you know why? He's frustrated because what he gets from Elisha is not what he thought in his mind he he would get. Have you ever done this before where you're praying for for something and while you're praying in your mind, you already think you know how God's going to work it out, how God's going to do it? I might be the only one. Sometimes I pray things, but in my mind, I'm like, I mean, wink, wink. You already know God, right? God, I don't know how you're going to do it. Wink, wink. But you're going to do it that way, right? And, and, and even though we, we might not say it, we kind of already know how God's going to work it out. I, th- I think God's going to do this. You know, I was praying, I was believing God, and God said he, he's going to open a door and he's going he's to bring promotion to my life. And I'm kind of thinking, that, I, I met this guy Joe the other day, and I'm thinking that Joe's going to, and, and we have this whole thing worked out. And Naaman gets frustrated because it doesn't happen the way he thought or wanted it to happen. Na- Naaman comes, remember, he's a great man. He's a commander in the army. He's a great man. And he comes in pomp and circumstance with horses and chariots. And he comes to, to, to the door of Elisha and Elisha doesn't even come out. He, he sends one of the baristas. Hey, take this latte, tell him it's oat milk. Bring it on out. Tell him go bathe in the river seven times. Name is like, he, he can't even come out to me. He's, he's not even gonna come. And like face-to-face have a conversation. He, he sent this little barista out to me to come bring me a latte and tell me to take a bath. And the Bible says, and Naaman gets furious. I thought in, again, I thought in my mind that he would, like, have you ever had a whole grand thing worked out in your mind? And it just doesn't work that way. I can't tell you how many arguments my wife and I have had completely my fault since having kids, because I have a grand idea of what date night's going to look like. And my four children always have a way of bursting that bubble. And I'm like, this is not the way I saw it going. And Naaman goes, I just, like, I thought he was going to come out to me. He was going to wave his arms, do some spiritual karate moves, and he was going to make a declaration and God was going to heal me. And he sends out a barista, an assistant, a servant, one of his interns, to come and tell me, just go take a bath. 
Does he not think that when I first started getting symptoms, I didn't try to wash this stuff off? Does, does, does he think that my, my problem is like a BO problem? Does he think that's a height? Because it's not a hygiene issue. I promise you, I have bathed. And by the way, the Jordan River, this river is like Lake Wiley. You, you get in there. I thought you had, you had white trunks. Why are they green? Because we're in, we're in the Jordan. We're in Lake Wiley. This is not even pristine. Why couldn't it be one of these bodies of water? And I think all of us have moments, seasons, where we need God. And whether we realize it or not, God is speaking to us. God is giving us simple instructions and commands. God is, God is speaking through other people. He's whispering to us. He's nudging us. He's giving us very simple instruction commands. And oh, how we are so good at resisting those. That's not going to do anything. Those dots don't connect. That's not grand. That's not religious. That's not, and we have all, all these preconceived, and we push away the simple instructions and commands. I love Naaman's question because Naaman goes, what's in, what's in the water? Why this river? Why this instruction? Have you ever asked the question before? You know God's asking you to do something. You have a simple instruction or command, and in your heart you go, what's in that? How do those dots even connect? What's that even going? That doesn't make sense to me. I want to give you three thoughts today of what I believe is in the water, so to speak, of our obedience. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, I'll tell you what's in the water. What's in the water is humility. It's humility. Because hear me today, when you obey God, what you are actively declaring with your life, I am not God. You are. I am not the king, the Lord, or the ruler of my life. You are. I do not know what to do. You do. I do not have the ability to meet this need. You do. See, what, what was in the water for, for, for Naaman was, was humility. Naaman had a need, and for him to go, first of all, receive from, from a servant, from this barista with a latte, this great Syrian commander coming with all his horses and chariots and, and to receive a simple instruction, he can't even come out to me? Who, who does he think I am? Does he not know who? He, he can't even come in. It's humbling, wasn't it? humiliating maybe, this great man, this great commander, this great king, and he's, he's looking at a servant going, okay, so just go, just go take a bath, seven, there, there, there's humility. The Bible says this in the book of James, James chapter four, verse six, it says, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know what God's asking you to do and I don't know what instructions and commands you're holding on to or things that you know God is speaking to you. But can I tell you, part of what is in that is humility. It's humility. There is an act of humility in every act of obedience that says, God, I am not God, you are. 
God, I cannot do it for myself. I cannot be, 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 be the leader of my own life. I don't know what to do. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough. God, you are God. I am not. And so I humble myself and say, God, I will do whatever you're telling me to do. Can I ask you this morning, is your heart humble or is your heart, is it proud? Because you know, a lot of times what we say with our mouth and what we do with our life, it's, it's very different. I found myself talking with someone this past week, not someone in our church, but just opportunity I had to have a conversation with someone. And oh, have you ever had a conversation and your heart just breaks? This person was in a spot. And, and I just had to stop and say, hey, can I just tell you that I don't, I don't know how you got here, but I'm so sorry that you're there. From every angle, I can't even imagine being in your shoes. That is so painful. It's so hard. I said, but what I'd like to just, and you're not asking, but what I'd like to just offer as by way of observation is all of your solutions, I just got to do better. I, I, I just got to be more present. I just got to pull myself together and get my stuff together. And all of your solutions are, they're very you-centric. I got to, and I said, I just, I don't know. The scripture comes to mind that the Bible says, God, he actually gives grace to the humble. You know what it sounds like, like you need, I mean, you're not asking my opinion, but you know what it sounds like you need? It sounds like you need the grace of God. It sounds like you need God to show up, to intervene, and to do a whole lot of things that you on your best day could never do. God doesn't show up to the proud. It's, it's the humble. God gives grace to the, to the humble. And in every act of obedience, it, it requires humility. Number two, write this down. The second thing that's in the water, it's faith. So many times we do not obey God because we can't connect the dots. I mean, anybody besides for me, do you really appreciate seasons of life where you can connect all the dots? I know I do. I, I sleep better and have more peace on my pillow. When I go, nope, I can see A, B, C, D. Right? Just, they all connect. But it's the seasons of life where I don't know how the dots connect. I can't see how what I'm currently doing and what God's asking me to do, I don't see how it, how it could possibly even connect to the thing that I really, really need. And I'm, but, but let me remind you, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. In, in other words, there's gonna be a lot of things that God asks you and I to do that they do not make sense. This is why the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is, is destruction. Why? Because the ways of God often don't seem right or make sense in our natural understanding. Here's what James chapter 2, verse 17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, James says, talk is cheap. Sure, man, come to church. Like my parents are pastors. They still are pastors. 
Um, I uh, have been raised in church. I promise you, I know all the right lines. I, I can get by in any church circle and I can make you think whatever I want you to think, so to speak, unless you're being led by the Holy Spirit. That's a different story. But I, I, I know all the lines. That was one of my greatest fears when I was in, in uh, middle school and high school. I, I was like repenting every time I go to church because I, I started get, getting this, this revelation that God speaks to people. And in particular, my parents would say, you don't have to tell us, but God will tell us. And I'd be on the front row like, God, don't tell them. God, don't tell them. If, God, if you tell them, I'm dead meat. So let's work out a deal. I, I, I repent. Please forgive me. I'll never do it again. Just don't tell my mom and dad. But sure, go ahead, man. Come to church. And, and have all the right lines. How you doing? Good, man. Blessed and highly favored. Good to be here. Say amen at the right parts. Get your Bible and take, take, take your notes. Lift your hands and like, do, do, do all the right things. That's great. But James says, okay, cool. Talk about your faith. But, but I'd rather just sit and watch your Monday through Saturday. I, I, I'd rather just be a fly on the wall and watch your day to day. And I'll see if you have faith. Because faith without works is dead. Can I, can I tell you, faith, faith is action. Faith is movement. Faith is, is obedience and doing what God asks you to do. And in every act of obedience, faith, someone say faith. Faith is required. Because when you obey, you are actively saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. And I trust you that if I will do what you are telling me to do, that you will do what you promised you would do. I, I, I promise you, at, at, at some level, everything right now that, that, that you are struggling with to obey God, the root issue, it is faith, it's trust, it's belief. I, I sat with, with, with someone a while back, and, and they are bawling their eyes out, distraught, because they, they were in a bad relationship and the next step in this relationship was to start sleeping together and they were like, I know what the Bible says. Like, it's, like I, it's right there. I know what the Bible says. I'm aware of the scripture and the commandment to stay sexually pure. And they're not bawling because they're having a hard time with the breakup. They're bawling because they're like, but I just, I can't do it. I can't obey because if I don't, then I'm so afraid that I'm going to die alone. I'm so afraid. I'm never going to meet the right person. And I, I, I found someone. I have a relationship. Things are going well to a certain degree. And if, if I obey God, I'm taking a risk that this isn't going to work out. If I obey God and I do what he's telling me to do, I, it's a risk. We, 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 we sat there in the office and I said, your, your, your issue is a faith issue. Because what you're saying is, God, I do not trust you. I don't. I don't trust that you really love me. I don't trust that you really do see and care about the needs that I have. And I don't trust that if I do what you're telling me to do, that you can and you will do for me what you have said you will do. I don't trust you. So because I don't trust you, 
I'm going to do what makes sense to me, and I'm taking this thing into my own hands. Obedience requires faith. Obedience requires faith because it doesn't always make sense and the dots don't, don't connect. Insert Naaman. Go bathe in the river seven times. Okay, I got my phone out. I web MD'd that thing. Man of God, that is not the cure. That will do, it really wasn't, wasn't about the water, was it? It was about the act of faith. What was it in the touching of the hem of Jesus' garment that healed this woman? It really wasn't about his garment, I promise you. It was the act of faith. She said in her heart, I just know that if I can touch the hem of his garment, and it was the act of faith. Can I ask you this morning, where are the areas that God is speaking to you? He's telling you giving you instructions and commands. Are, are you willing to trust him? Number three, and we'll end right here. But what's, what's in the water of, of obedience, it's humility, it's faith. But number three, it is dependence. It is dependence on God. I think that every single one of us, we have to come to a place in our heart that we are fully dependent on God. We, we, we like to be independent. We, we, we like to have self-assurance. Listen to the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse five. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. That's the Old Testament. True, good observation. But it's not too dissimilar from what James and Peter say in the New Testament, that God, he resists the proud. Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, resistance will the man feel who's made flesh his strength See, that's, that, that's, that's legalistic. It's not legalism. You, you, you're misinterpreting because you read that and you read that as God going, well, unless you trust me, I'm going to cross my arms and go, well, fine. You're on your own, buddy. It's not, this isn't like punishment. No, he, he's helping you to see, hey, son, daughter. So when you make flesh, when you make man, place where your trust and your dependence goes. Just so we're clear, that has effect on your heart and your heart departs from me. Not curses the man, resistance does the man feel because God's just so angry. No, 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 no. He, he goes, your heart, it's departed. You used to be dependent upon me, son. You, you used to have tears in your eyes with your hands lifted. Say, God, I'll do whatever you say. God, I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. I can't do it on my own. You know, one of the things that happened in the nation of Israel is they would get real desperate and God would meet them and God would bless them. And then in being blessed, they would get real self-dependent. 
oh man, cool, cool. We don't really need God anymore. And, and their heart would depart from God and they'd find themselves right back in the same place. He says, your heart's departed from the Lord. Listen to this, verse six. He shall be like a shrub in the desert and he will not see when good comes. Oh, God has good things in store. Oh, no, no, God is near. He's not far, he's near. This man, he will not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But verse seven says, but blessed, oh, but blessed is the man whose trust and whose dependence is in the Lord, who hopes in the Lord. Verse eight, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and he will not fear when heat comes. He will not fear when the doctor's report comes. He will not fear when inflation skyrockets. He will not fear when culture gets darker and darker. He will not fear. Why? Because his trust, his confidence, it is not in flesh. It's not in man. It's not in the economy. It's not in culture. It's not in his boss. No, his trust is in the Lord. So he will not fear when heat comes. No, but his leaf will be green. And he will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will he cease from yielding fruit. Why? Because his confidence and his trust and his dependence is on God. I'm not saying this is what God what God's is saying to you, but I remember Jenny and I, we, we were praying, we were asking God, God, we have this need. Meet this need. And, and God answered, he answered the prayer request in the worst way he could have. God, we have a need. Like, like things are tight. And we felt like God say, take this big chunk of money, probably not big to use, big to take this big chunk of money and give it right here. And I'm like, oh God, that doesn't make sense. God, maybe you don't understand how math works, but we have a need. And if we give this amount of money, that means our need is now bigger, like reasoning with God, right? But can, can I tell you what God was asking us to do really had nothing to do with what the dollar amount did it. It had nothing to do with the money. What do I do with that? What was in the water of this generosity? i tell you, part of it was humility. God, okay, I trust you, God doesn't make sense to me, but I'm surrendered to you. Part of it was faith. Okay, God, I trust. It feels risky to me right now, but I trust that if I will give, and I will sow this seed, that you will show up and you will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But can I tell you, for me, the biggest part of it, it was a reminder I'm dependent on God. God, I'm, I'm not dependent anyone or I'm dependent on you. And it was a test of where the dependence of my heart lies. I think there's two groups of people in here and I, I wouldn't assume to know which group you're a part of, but I think there's two groups. I, I think there's probably a group in here this morning that you already know. You already know what God's asking you to do. You just do. Some of it is clear instruction and command. Some of it is God's brought some really annoying people into your life that keep on reminding you what God says. 
and you can't shake it. Some of you, it's a, it's a scripture, it's a verse, it's something you know the Bible. Uh, you already know. Why is it that we, we delay thinking, well, if I delay, God will change his mind? Has this ever happened to you? It's like, well, I don't really want to do that. So maybe if I just delay long enough, God will go, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Me and the angels were talking. That, that was dumb. I, I, we, we agree with you now. We can see our error. That was dumb. Okay, new, God's not changing his mind. And until you do what God is telling you to do, you will not receive another another word, another instruction. Mark chapter four says, take heed to what you hear for the measure that you use it or obey it is the measure it will be measured back out to you. Oh, you, you already know, but, but, but today what the Lord would say is, why are you delaying? Trust in God, hope in God, humble your heart, bow your knee, repent, ask for forgiveness and start doing what God's t- t- telling you to do. Start living in alignment with his word, with his will, with his ways, and trust that as you are dependent upon him and actively, that God's gonna show up. There's another group that you're like, I don't know what God's saying, to be honest. I don't. I wish I was in the first group because if I knew, I I would do it, but I, I don't know. And I think like we've been talking about what the Lord would say to you is, go to God. Go to God. Go to God. Go to his word. Start praying, go to God and say, God, we're stuck, man. You know it. We're hurting. We're, 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 we're in a spot. We need you, God. And I know that you're more than able, but God, I don't know what to do. So like Naaman, would you give me some clear instructions and commands? And he, here's what, we'll close with this, but he, here's what I'll just warn you. Oftentimes like Naaman, they're simple, they're easy, but they're difficult. Go wash seven times. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's not about the water, my friends. It, it was not about the water. It was not, not about, about the, the bath. It was about his heart being humbled before God, trusting in God, and putting his dependence in God. God, more than he's after your action, he's after your heart. Will you humble your heart? Will you trust God? And will you actively put your dependence in him by doing what he tells you to do? Can I pray for you today? God, today, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you see exactly where we are. There's not a need in this room. There's not a circumstance or a situation that you are unaware of. No, your eyes, they see all. You care more than we can possibly comprehend. The, the, the Bible says, cast your care upon God. Why? Because he cares for you. Oh God, we know that you care. And so today we as your people, we come before you and say, would you speak clearly to us? I pray for anyone here that already knows that God, you would give them confirmation today. You would give them confirmation. You'd remind them today of what you've already said, what you've already spoken. And Holy Spirit, you would empower them and give them the grace and the ability to begin to obey you and walk in obedience. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that they don't know that God, as they go to your word and as they begin to call upon you, that you would reveal to them your word for them 
that you would speak to them and you would give them with clarity, instructions and commands. And I just thank you, God, that we can trust you, that when we do what you're telling us to do every single time, you do what you have promised that you would do. So I thank you today that as we begin to be a people who are obedient to the voice of God and the word of God, that we will begin to, in an increased measure, see the supernatural power of God at work. Why? Because you're more than able. So we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.